Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. Coming up this hour. Another deadly mass shooting in the U.S., this time in Tulsa. President Biden is likely to visit Saudi Arabia as gas prices surge. And Sheryl Sandberg steps down from Facebook parent Meta after 14 years. She tells us why. New York Mayor Adams names a gun violence czar, plus President Biden gets pushback saying no one anticipated the baby formula shortage. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaw in sports. Another win for the Rangers. They beat Tampa Bay in game one. The Mets won their sixth in a row. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. And U.S. futures are higher this morning. 501 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up about 16 points this morning. Dow futures up 86 and NASDAQ futures up 66. Nathan. Well, Karen, we begin this morning with yet another mass shooting in the U.S., this time at a medical building in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Deputy Police Chief Eric Dalglish says a man carrying a rifle and a handgun opened fire on employees and visitors before turning his gun on himself. We have uh, four civilians that are uh, dead. We have one shooter that is dead. And uh, right now, we believe that is self-inflicted. Deputy Chief Eric Dalglish says it took about three minutes for officers to arrive at the scene, and they made contact with the gunman about ten minutes later. This comes after recent mass shootings in Uvalde, Texas, and Buffalo, New York, that have Democratic leaders in Washington calling for greater restrictions on guns. Nathan, while President Biden contends with another shooting, he is also grappling with rising gas prices. That has him now planning a trip to Saudi Arabia. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Sources tell Bloomberg News. President Biden is likely to visit Saudi Arabia later this month, and that could mean the president would also meet with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who the U.S. blames for the 2018 murder of U.S.-based columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Now, early in his presidency, Biden said he would only deal with Saudi Arabia's official head of state, King Salman bin Abdulaziz. But the president is under increasing pressure to meet with Ben Salman as gas prices hit record highs. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, consumers may be getting a bit more relief at the pump ahead of that proposed trip. According to the Financial Times, Saudi Arabia is prepared to produce more crude if Russian output declines substantially. Meantime, OPEC and its allies meet today. They are expected to ratify a modest increase in production. Checking prices right now, NYMEX crudes down 2% or $2.30 at $112.96 a barrel. Brent is down 2.2% at $113.76. 
Well, Nathan, Wall Street is still reacting to the resignation of Meta Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandberg. She became one of the most recognized figures in global business after helping Facebook transform from a startup into a multi-billion dollar advertising powerhouse. Sandberg spoke about her decision with Bloomberg's Emily Chang. The decision I didn't come to lightly, but it's been 14 years. It's been 14 years, and I want to make more room to do more philanthropically. And Cheryl Sandberg calls her time at Meta, quote, the honor and privilege of a lifetime. Well, Sandberg leaves behind a complicated legacy, Karen. While she did help build Facebook into a global giant, the company's reputation was tarnished by developing blind spots on data and misinformation. Techonomy Media CEO David Kirkpatrick calls Sandberg one of the most powerful women in the business world. Well, she served as a symbol of women's success in business, there's no question. I mean, for most of the last 14 years, certainly for the last maybe 10 or 11 years, she could have left Facebook at any time and become the CEO of any company in the world. And I know she was solicited for those kinds of jobs time and time again and didn't show interest because she really wanted to stay here. Techonomy Media CEO David Kirkpatrick spoke with Bloomberg Technologies' Emily Chang. For more from Emily and our tech team, subscribe to the Bloomberg Technology Podcast. It's available daily wherever you get your podcasts. Well, turning to the economy now, Nathan, our focus remains on the Fed. St. Louis Fed President James Bullard wants to raise interest rates to 3.5% this year to tame inflation. As we get tangible evidence that inflation is definitely retreating, then uh, we could look at reducing the policy rate in future years, 2020, maybe late 2023 or 2024. St. Louis Fed President James Bullard spoke at the Economic Club of Memphis. He's traditionally been the most hawkish official on the Fed. Well, a couple Wall Street CEOs think Bullard and the Fed have a very difficult road ahead of them, Karen. Here's Wells Fargo CEO Charlie Scharf. The economy has to slow. The Fed has been very clear about what their intentions are. And the, the a scenario of a Soft landing is very difficult to achieve and I think extremely difficult to achieve in the environment that we're in today. Wells Fargo CEO Charlie Scharf says he sees loan growth starting to moderate. His comments follow a similar warning from J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. It's a hurricane. It's we, Right now it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. You know, Everyone thinks the, the Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there down the road coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or Superstorm Sandy. Both J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon and Charlie Scharf of Wells Fargo spoke at a conference in New York. Well, let's update you now on some key earnings from late yesterday. Shares of Hewlett-Packard Enterprise are down more than 6% in early trading after the company lowered its forecast. Bloomberg's Doug Krisner has more. The company cited a few headwinds, unfavorable currency movements, supply chain disruptions, and the impact of the company's exit from the Russian market. Hewlett-Packard Enterprise said profit, excluding some items, will be as much as $0.07 less than the previous guidance issued in March. HPE has been working to reduce its reliance on sales of hardware, such as data center servers, by encouraging customers to pay for additional services with subscriptions. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thanks. Some other stocks on the move this morning. Shares of Chewy are up more than 17%. The pet products retailer reported profit and sales at top estimates. And as usual, some volatility in shares of GameStop. The video game retailer reported a wider-than-expected first-quarter net loss after falling almost 3%. GameStop shares are now up about 1%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's 507 on Wall Street. We're at 63 degrees in Central Park, dealing with a tractor-trailer accident southbound 287 near exit 10. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Nathan. New York Mayor Eric Adams will name a gun violence czar. Adams continues to be confronted with a stubbornly high number of gun offenses in the city. According to the New York Times, the Adams administration has also considered declaring a state of emergency related to the surge in gun violence. Meanwhile, Mayor Adams also sent a stern letter to city employees that they need to stop working from home. Adams wrote all city employees should be advised that absent a reasonable accommodation, you are required to report to work in person for every scheduled workday and hybrid schedules of any kind are not permitted. He called the move critical to New York's economy. Baby formula makers met with President Biden for an update on ending the supply crisis in the U.S. There's nothing more stressful than the feeling you can't get what your child needs, he or she needs. And it's why I've directed my administration to use every tool available to increase the supply, get more formula on shelves as quickly as possible. However, President Biden faced pushback on his claims that no one predicted shutting one food plant would create a nationwide shortage. Perigo Baby Formula producer executive Murray Kessler told President Biden he immediately knew there'd be a supply crisis when the FDA closed the Abbott Formula plant. The very first thing we did when we heard about the Abbott recall was we could foresee that this was going to create a tremendous shortage. We um, significantly increased all our material orders. Murray Kessler with Perigo. Later, the White House press secretary said the administration has been working to relieve the formula shortage since day one. The Queen's Platinum Jubilee is underway, a four-day bash designed to honor her 70 years on the throne. Millions across Britain are ready to take to the streets for parties and big jubilee lunches. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. 509 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stasha. Good morning, Nathan. The Rangers are in a place they had not been before in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Ahead in a series before getting to a Game 7. Game 1 with Tampa Bay at the Garden. A Chris Kreider goal on the Rangers' first shot of the series. They led 2-1, to one, then 3-2. to two. And then the kid line of Philip Hill, Capo Caco, and Alexis Lafreniere were on the ice for almost three minutes. Behind the net. Wipes it up the board. Taken back by Sorelli. Lifts it. But it's batted down by Fox. He keeps it in the offensive zone. He centers to Lafreniere. Left side to Miller. Miller to Hedl. He scores! What a shift by the Rangers! And it ends up in the lightning stick! It's 4-2 Rangers. Ambrose McCall, WEPN, second goal of the game for the suddenly red-hot Philip Heedle. He had eight goals in the regular season. He's got seven in the playoffs. Artemi Panarin scored opening minute of the third period. Then Mika Zibanej had Rangers beat the Lightning 6-2. Tampa had only allowed a total of three goals in its four-game sweep of Florida. The Rangers now won five of their last six, seven in a row at the Garden, where they'll be back for game two tomorrow night. Mets hit the road now, right in a six-game winning streak. Shutout Washington 5-0 by Carlos Carrasco. Tomas Nito had four hits and now a 
10-game road trip all in Southern California playing the Dodgers tonight. French Open women's semifinals today in Paris. 18-year-old Coco Golf playing her first Grand Slam semi. NBA Finals game one tonight. Celtics and Warriors in San Francisco. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. Okay, John, thanks. Right now, S&P futures are higher by 17 points. Dow futures up 102. NASDAQ futures leading the gains this morning. They're up 70 points. That's a gain of a, almost six-tenths of 1%. Ten-year Treasury right now down 132nd. The yield 2.91%. Yield on the two-year 266 NYMEX crude is down 2.1% at $2.43 at $112.84 a barrel on reports Saudi Arabia could boost output if Russian supplies uh, fall significantly. Guns and gas. Dual challenges for President Biden. We'll be talking about it next with Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick in Washington. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy today. A chance for showers and storms with a high near 80. We'll clear out tomorrow, upper 70s. Sunshine for the weekend with highs in the upper 70s. Right now, 63 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe and U.S. stock index futures are climbing as investors assess attractive valuations and a drop in oil prices against hawkish messages from central bankers on reining in inflation. Crude oil is sliding in a report that Saudi Arabia is ready to pump more oil if Russian output declines. OPEC Plus scheduled to meet to discuss supply policy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 19 points this morning. Dow futures up 117. NASDAQ futures up 76. The DAX in Germany is up three quarters of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 2.91 percent. The yield on the two-year 2.66 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down 2.1 percent on $2.38 at $112.88 a barrel. COMEX gold up four-tenths percent or $7.10 at 1855.70 an ounce. The euro 1.0688 against the dollar. British pound 1.25402. And the yen is at 129.81. And Bitcoin this morning higher, up 1.1% at $29,900. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Police officials say four people have been killed in a mass shooting at a Tulsa medical building on a hospital campus. Authorities also say the shooter was dead, apparently from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. President Biden says no one anticipated the baby formula crisis until months after a crucial manufacturing plant owned by Abbott was shut down. Formula makers Biden met with disagree. Game one of the NHL East final. The Rangers beat the Lightning 6-2. In baseball, the Yankees game was rained out. The Mets beat the Nationals 5-zip. The Red Sox and Orioles won. The A's and Giants lost. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers studios this is bloomberg daybreak and with yet another deadly mass shooting in the u.s the issue of guns and gun restrictions once again is in focus in washington along with a uh, 
mounting pile of challenges facing President Biden. Bloomberg government congressional reporter Jack Fitzpatrick joins us from our Bloomberg 99.1 studios in the nation's capital uh, as we get more on all these stories. Jack, good morning. This shooting in Tulsa once again has the gun issue back in focus and it comes with a debate already underway following other recent mass shootings. Yes, uh, this is one of those issues where I don't even know if it's back in focus. It's just still in focus. There have been bipartisan talks in the Senate following the Uvalde school shooting about what is realistic to get 60 votes in the Senate. It, what's the low-hanging fruit? A very limited measure would be expected uh, from these conversations. But, you know, is there some sort of bill they can pass? Seems that the uh, conversations are, 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 there's a lot of talk about maybe incentivizing state-level red flag laws, uh, other sort of limited measures. I, I don't know if there's enough political will to raise the age uh, f- for purchases, say, of uh, semi-automatic rifles from 18 to 21. That is more of a Democratic priority. Uh, but yes, it, it would stand to reason that this latest shooting, high-profile shooting, high-profile enough so the president has been briefed on it, would sort of keep the political pressure uh, on those senators having those conversations. And in the meantime, Jack, there's a bill moving forward on the House side that I think it's probably safe to describe as much more than low-hanging fruit. I mean, what's what's the uh, impetus to put a bill like that forward when it probably has little to no chance of passing in the Senate. Right. This is the more aggressive version. This would be a House Democratic bill that the House Judiciary Committee is set to virtually mark up today. Uh, That's why I mentioned as an example uh, the idea that's been put forth of increasing the uh, legal age to purchase a semi-automatic weapon from 18 to 21. That is one of the measures in that bill uh, that does not seem to be part of the bipartisan conversations. This is how the House of Representatives operates. You know, the the majority can pass what they want through the House and at least take a stand. It may be more of a messaging bill if it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. Uh, But the fact that you see this dual track approach, the House doing what it can, the Senate getting a group of bipartisan members together to see what's most realistic, that reflects the amount of pressure to at least do something. Along with this politically fraught issue of uh, gun rights, Jack, we also have the economy posing a continuing challenge for President Biden. Rising gas prices. Now we're uh, getting this report that uh, he could be headed to Saudi Arabia later this month. Right. Yes, our colleague Jennifer Jacobs reported that, uh, citing people familiar, that he's expected to visit Saudi Arabia later this month when he's traveling for NATO and G7 meetings. Uh, that is important because it would uh, it would be a bit of a surprise if he were to visit Saudi Arabia and not uh, visit or communicate with the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who's really the de facto leader. After the uh, President Biden had previously said he would only uh, deal directly with King Salman bin Abdulaziz, uh, which was a slight toward the Crown Prince. Uh, if this reflects some easing of the tensions between Biden. Biden and Mohammed bin Salman, that would uh, be a very significant thing. And I I think it's uh, clearly something with gas prices in mind as Biden looks for more production out of oil producing countries uh, and obviously gas producing countries not called Russia and Mm -hmm. Ukraine. 
No, you have only about 30 seconds left here. But are there indications that we could see a meeting between President Biden and the crown prince? I mean, uh, uh, MBS had basically been blacklisted over uh, alleged links to the murder of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. That's something the White House has not confirmed. So at this point, the the news is about the visit. Uh, but you're right that Biden would have to set aside the the frustration over the killing of Jamal Khashoggi uh, and his, his frustration with Mohammed bin Salman. And he had really made a point of pinning that on the crown prince. So to meet with him would be a a significant change. Yeah, certainly would be. Jack Fitzpatrick of Bloomberg Government, as always, uh, thanks for being with us from the nation's capital. We'll be checking back with Jack later on in the program for uh, much more of the other stories happening in Washington, D.C. as well. Looking ahead to the market open this morning, we have uh, futures moving higher with S&P futures up 21 points. Dow futures up 133. NASDAQ futures are higher by 86 points. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd. The yield 2.91%. NYMEX crude down 2% or $2.26 at $113 a barrel. On that report, the President Biden could be headed to Saudi Arabia. Just ahead, the latest on the mass killing in Tulsa. And Sheryl Sandberg leans into life after Facebook. Top stories of the morning straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, chance for showers and storms today with a high near 80 degrees. We'll clear out tomorrow with a high near 80 for Friday. Sunshine upper 70s for Saturday. Right now, 63 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news. You need to know at this hour. We begin with another mass shooting in the U.S., this time at a medical building in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that left four dead plus the shooter. Deputy Chief Eric Daglish says it took about three minutes for officers to arrive at the scene, and they made contact with the gunman about ten minutes later. The officers that did arrive... Uh, We're hearing shots in the building, and that's what directed them to the second floor. And Deputy Police Chief Eric Daglish says a man opened fire on employees and visitors before turning the gun on himself. This comes after recent mass shootings in Uvalde, Texas and Buffalo, New York, that have Democratic leaders calling for greater restrictions on guns. Elsewhere in Washington, Karen, President Biden is planning a trip to Saudi Arabia as he looks to address rising gasoline prices. According to a report from the Financial Times, Saudi Arabia is prepared to pump more crude if Russia's output substantially declines. Bloomberg News Energy reporter Sharon Cho says that could significantly impact prices. Russia is among the world's three largest crude producers, and that's why this kind of a move will have major ramifications for global supply. Whether um, Saudi Arabia and UAE can cover Russia's loss supply, that's the question that remains. Bloomberg's Sharon Cho reporting from Singapore. OPEC Plus meets today. It's expected to ratify a modest increase in production. Checking prices now, NYMEX crudes down two and a quarter percent or $2.59 at $112.68 a barrel. Brent is down 2.3% at $113.57. 
Well, Nathan, the financial world is reacting to the resignation of Meta Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandberg. She became a top figure in global business and tech during her 14 years with the company. Sandberg tells Bloomberg's Emily Chang the decision to step down was not easy. It really is about how I will spend my time, not how much I believe in the company. I believe in the company as much as I ever did and staying on the board. And I really have complete confidence in the team Mark and I have built. Cheryl Sandberg says she wants to do more philanthropy. She helped transform Facebook from a startup into a multi-billion dollar powerhouse, but the company's reputation was tarnished by blind spots on data and misinformation. Sandberg spoke on Bloomberg Technology. You can subscribe to the daily podcast on all your podcast platforms. Turning to inflation, Karen, we're keeping a close eye on the Fed. St. Louis President James Bullard says he wants to raise rates to 3.5% this year to bring down inflation. He spoke at the Economic Club of Memphis. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports this is bloomberg and it's 5:33 on wall street we're at 63 degrees in central park dealing with flooding on the bronx river parkway and white plains details coming up in traffic first michael barr with more on what's going on in new york and around the world michael thank you very much nathan experts say installing technology to scan large numbers of people quickly for weapons in the new york city subway would be challenging Mayor Eric Adams says the technology might still be worth trying in a pop-up fashion at select locations as a deterrent. The scanners are already used in some places like sports stadiums but need to be accompanied by human operators. Still, the idea has gotten a closer look after a mass shooting on the subway in April. It comes as the New York Times reports Adams plans to name a gun violence czar soon. The White House is pulling back on statements made by President Biden that he was not aware the baby formula crisis would be so severe. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. The president saying he doesn't think anybody knew. I don't think anyone anticipated the impact of the shutdown of one facility. But me, Johnson Vice President Robert Cleveland, says they anticipated the crisis. We knew from the very beginning this would be a very serious event. And now the White House says that they were on it from day one, and now that all production is ramping up. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. The federal government will soon be lifting travel restrictions for Americans who want to go to Cuba. The flight restrictions put in place during the Trump administration prevented flights from going to Cuban cities other than Havana. The Biden administration announced hundreds of thousands of students who attended the Corinthian College's chain will automatically get their federal student loans canceled. Anyone who attended the now-defunct chain from 1995 to its collapse in 2015 will get their federal student debt wiped clean. It will erase $5.8 billion in debt for more than 560,000 borrowers. Today, Britain began celebrating the four-day-long weekend in honor of Queen Elizabeth's 70 years on the throne. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. 535 on Wall Street. John Stash Hours here with the Bloomberg Sports Update. Thanks, Nathan. The Rangers keep winning another decisive victory like the last two with Carolina. Those were 5-2 to two and 6-2 to two and more of the same at the Garden. In game one with Tampa Bay, Rangers never trailed. Chris Kreider scored a minute 11 in. It was 1-1 second period. Ben moves it up to Kreider. Long pass to Fox. Into the middle. It's off the stick of Vitrano. Recovered by Vitrano. High in the slot. He shoots. He scores! Frank Vitrano 
with a rising shot beats Vasilevsky and the Rangers regain the lead. It's 2-1. to one. On WEPN, then came two goals by Philip Hedl, who has now scored seven in this postseason. And then Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, third period. Rangers beat the Lightning 6-2. to two. It's their first game one victory of the postseason. They'll look to keep it going. Game two is tomorrow night at the Garden, where the Rangers lost their playoff opener with Pittsburgh in triple overtime. But since then, they are 7-0. and on home ice. NBA Finals begin tonight. Celtics Warriors in San Francisco. A Yankee doubleheader with the Angels at the stadium. A day game to make up last night's rainout. And then tonight, the Yanks will face Shohei Otani. Mets will visit the Dodgers to start a four-game series and a 10-game Met road trip. All in Southern California. Mets just won their sixth in a row. 5 nothing over Washington. Carlos Carrasco improved to 6-1. and one. Team with three relievers on the shutout. Four hits for Tomas Nito. French Open women's semifinals today in Paris, including the first ever Grand Slam semi for the 18-year-old American, Coco Gauff. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Scott Carr. Requirements for child-resistant packaging and adult-only marketing are among two sets of regulations just passed by New York's Office of Cannabis Management. New York's emerging cannabis industry now has some guidance in planning the packaging, labeling, marketing, and lab testing of products. Lab regulations in particular help establish an important link in the future supply chain. While across the Hudson, New Jersey's prepping for its burgeoning cannabis industry. The New Jersey Tri-State Canatech Expo is coming to Atlantic City in a couple of weeks. In Connecticut, consumers already feeling the pinch from rising inflation are about to take another hit from a hike in the state's diesel tax. Connecticut officials are expected to announce soon a major increase in the state's diesel tax effective July 1st. And six months from now, a new highway use tax on large commercial trucks goes into effect, expected to cost that industry collectively about $90 million a year. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Scott Carr. Okay, Scott, thanks. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk on 1010 Wins in New York. We're talking about how couples are determined to head down the aisle this year, no matter what. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on KYW in Philadelphia, I'll be reporting on a car maker's push to make the most affordable EV in the nation. I'm Scott Carr on WDCH in Washington. I'm reporting on celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay opening a third eatery in the capital region. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on WoWo in Fort Wayne. General Motors will make all of its Buick models electric by 2030. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that United Airlines is renewing a push for regulators to lessen congestion and delays at Newark International. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. Thanks to the spectacular demise of TerraUSD, a cryptocurrency that promised to be always worth a dollar but was suddenly worth a lot less, the world is better acquainted with stablecoins and knows how unstable they can be. Luckily, the collapse hasn't had serious repercussions in the traditional financial system. But if the U.S. doesn't act soon to regulate these things, the next one could. Unregulated stablecoin issuers are prone to creating systemic risks. And the more connections the crypto world forms with traditional finance, the greater the chances that a stablecoin crash will cause broader damage. There's no mystery about what needs to happen. 
The Treasury Department issued a report last year detailing the steps that Congress and federal agencies ought to take. All that remains is to get the job done, preferably before stablecoins trigger the next financial crisis. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPI Go. Futures moving higher with S&P futures right now up 19 points. Dow futures up 113. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 83 points. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd. The yield 2.91%. NYMEX crude down 2.5% at $112.38 a barrel. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy today. Chance for showers and storms with a high near 80. We'll clear out tomorrow, Friday high in the upper 70s, and sunshine Saturday, upper 70s once again. Currently 63 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe and U.S. stock index futures are climbing as investors assess attractive valuations and a drop in oil prices against hawkish messages from central bankers on reining in inflation. Crude oil sliding under a fourth as Saudi Arabia is ready to pump more oil if Russian output declines. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 19 points this morning. Dow futures up 113. NASDAQ futures up 82. The DAX in Germany is up eight-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 2.91%. Yield on the two-year, 2.66%. NYMEX crude oil is down 2.4%, down $2.81 at $112.39 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent, or $8.70 at $18.57.40 an ounce. The euro, 1.0687 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2544. The yen at 129.76. And Bitcoin is up 1% at $29,900. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Tulsa police say a man carrying a rifle and a handgun opened fire in a medical office building, killing four people. Authorities say the gunman later took his own life. With record high gas prices, President Joe Biden is likely to visit Saudi Arabia later this month as part of an international trip for NATO and group of seven meetings. Game one of the NHL East final, the Rangers beat the Lightning 6-2 in the NBA. Finals. The Celtics play tonight. Baseball, the Yankees game was rained out. The Mets beat the Nationals 5-zip. The Red Sox and Orioles won. The A's and Giants lost. Global news, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Celtics and Warriors looking great. That's going to be quite the matchup. All right, Michael, thank you. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and Stephen Whiting is with us this morning to take a look at the market, chief investment strategist, chief economist at City Global Wealth. Stephen, good morning. Uh, the month of June certainly doesn't look like it's gotten off to a very good start, though futures look like they're going to claw back some of yesterday's losses. How do you view this market right now? I think we look at it as constrained, constrained by the Federal Reserve. I think a a great deal of that is priced in. It's not that we just 
uh, went a whole lot in terms of monetary policy tightening, 75 basis points, but another 200 over the course of what's left of the year priced in along with quantitative tightening beginning. Uh, and we've got to remember the fiscal backdrop. We've had a 29% drop in government spending, that income support that was helping consumers at a time when inflation is low is gone now at a time when inflation is high. So I think that the Federal Reserve is going to be there to constrain any easing of financial conditions. But we've also, again, had a great big effect here with both stocks and bonds down together. And uh, that's a big down payment on any kind of slowing in the economy that we should expect. So you're not looking for any slack from the Fed, given where the tightening of financial conditions has gone in this market at this point? You know, the the Federal Reserve, at the end of the day, will have to be forward-looking. We're not going to expect that that, uh, pricing and tightening over the coming year is going to infect employment data this month. Things like uh, cancellations of uh, new home contracts are not going to affect the building of housing, for example, and, and immediate labor demand. But that's the issue here. The Federal Reserve is aiming policy uh, at what the economy will do in 2023, but it's looking backwards at inflation in 2021. But yet getting just to the point where we can assess whether past policy action uh, is sufficient, it's going to require, again, uh, some months here and probably a couple more uh, large rate moves out of the Fed. So I think they can't allow the the financial markets to have their party about a slowing Fed before they've actually slowed. Yeah, we got a bit of a shudder for the market yesterday from uh, Jamie Dimon over at J.P. Morgan warning of an economic hurricane coming. How do you see the economic backdrop? So, look, I think there are constructive signs beneath the surface, really good ones. And, you know, we're not saying that we're out of the woods. We think that recession risk is uh, quite unusually high for the coming year because of the way the Federal Reserve is addressing a supply shock tightening into it. But if you take a look, we've had uh, a nice increase in domestic consumer goods production for the first time in a while. Um, It's rising 4%. Imports uh, in unit terms are growing 12%. I mean, this is a lot faster uh, than consumer goods consumption. So, again, getting to the point where market forces slow the inflation rate, I'm not talking about a particular commodity like oil, but generally speaking, again, a slower demand pace from fiscal tightening, even more important than what I just talked about on rates, uh, and uh, supply going up, that this is, again, pointing to a lower future inflation rate. Now, can that come faster uh, than the Fed's impatience with policy? Now, that's sort of a key question. So I think that the underlying signs, again, are very much with our view that well, the economy will slow. It has to. Inflation has to slow. There is a very visible path to do this without a recession, though. Do you think there's going to be any impact on the Fed's uh, rate uh, calculations when we get the May jobs report tomorrow? We continue to see signs of pretty extreme tightness in the labor market. It'll be hard for anything tomorrow to change the Fed's view. I I think, again, if we started to see what what we've begun to see, for example, with uh, job openings, for example, coming down, everyone saying, whatever it is, I'm bidding for for labor, for uh, orders, for goods. If you actually see the underlying economy, the demand side, slow down, you will see some of those job openings go away. Now, I don't think that's something that you're going to see in real time and coincident indicators like uh, non-farm employment. 
So uh, I think that the Federal Reserve is probably not going to get anything new to change their view uh, with tomorrow's data. Um, a surprise is possible. Uh, of course, I mean, there have been, after strong Mays in the year earlier, there are month-to-month variation that can be a hurdle for a slower employment report. The summer will be more interesting. The next couple of quarters, there are enough building signs that we should be in a decelerating employment path. But it is, again, from a very strong, unsustainable level. Thanks for this, Stephen. Good to get your insights this morning. Stephen Whiting with us this morning, Chief Investment Strategist and Chief Economist at City Global Wealth. Karen. Well, Nathan, it is 554 on Wall Street, and here's a legal story we're watching this morning. It's been a month since the unprecedented leak of a draft opinion that would strike down Roe v. Wade, a leak that has sparked nationwide protests from abortion supporters. In the meantime, the investigation by the marshal of the Supreme Court into who leaked the draft seems to be escalating and focusing on the clerks of the justices. For more on the matter, June Grasso speaks to Bloomberg Law Supreme Court reporter Kimberly Strawbridge-Robinson. What's the latest on the investigation by the Supreme Court Marshal's office? Well, you know, we have heard some more leaking from the leak <laughs> that the Marshal's office is taking particular steps to get personal phone records from the clerks. And you know, we at Bloomberg haven't been able to independently verify that. But that's definitely something that signals kind of a unique and stark change from the atmosphere at the court before, you know, typically this is a very friendly institution and to see the marshal's office requesting the personal information of their clerks is something pretty jarring for someone like me who's been watching the court for 10 years. I do question, though, I see a lot of criticism that the marshal's office isn't equipped to handle this kind of investigation to really ferret out the person who leaked and to punish them. But, you know, I've been wondering if that's really the goal of the justices within the courthouse. Of course, they want to find out who did this and why. But punishing their law clerks, these young recent law school graduates, I'm not sure is their top priority. But we'll just have to wait and see where this investigation leads and see if the court actually tells us how it's going or how it's concluded. I still don't even know if that's going to happen. Do you know how many people have access to these draft rulings? Is it more than the justices and their clerks? It is a little bit more than the justices and their clerks. I think the best guess that I have now is somewhere around 75 to 80 people because there are just some people around the building who have to, you know, have access to emails, have access to printing, and there, there of course, will be some people doing some administrative things with the opinion. So it is a, a bit broader than the clerks and the justices. But if the news that we're hearing out of the investigation is true, it really does seem like the marshal's office is focused on the clerks. So maybe they know something we don't. It seems odd because most legal experts say, well, you know, it wouldn't be the clerks because that would ruin the clerk's career. Well, that certainly is a good argument for why it wouldn't be a clerk. And we don't have leaks very often. We do have one kind of situation that we can look back to after the Planned Parenthood versus Casey abortion ruling. One of the clerks at that time, after the opinion had been announced, then wrote sort of a telltale book and was sort of shunned from at least the litigation aspect of the legal field. But beyond that, this is really an unprecedented situation that we're in. And so really no telling where this is going to lead us. 
And that's Bloomberg Law Supreme Court reporter Kimberly Strawbridge-Robinson speaking with June Grosso. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg terminal at BLaw Go. S&P futures up 17 points this morning. Dow futures up 103. NASDAQ futures up 73. And the 10-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 2.91%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.